Good Lord, folks, it feels like it's been about three to four episodes since we talked about the Wheel of Time, and yet it's actually only been a week. So buckle in, make yourself comfortable, use the bathroom if you need to, because it's time for just another fanboy episode number 227, The Wheel of Time, season one, part two. Hello and welcome to another tongue-twisting episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and it's below freezing, folks. Right now, just outside my window, temperatures have dropped to below freezing. Not that that's relevant in any way to the subject of today's episode. I'm just telling you that it's cold outside. Winter ain't coming, folks. It's freaking here. All right, (laughs) enough messing around. My head is too much into the old Just Another Fanboy episodes. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm going to be getting back to a lot of the silliness. Anyway, last week on episode number 223, I played the first half of a conversation that I had with indie nerdcore rapper and super nice guy, Sulphur, in which the main subject at hand was season one of the Wheel of Time series, that's currently streaming over on Amazon Prime. And frankly, I thought we'd get back to it today. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Are you in? (laughs) Hold on, let's do this. We got to see the Tuatawan. Boy, I tell you what, that scene where uh, they they encounter the freaking white cloaks. Mm-hmm. And at first it's like the Tuatawan's like, you're not getting past us. And they all link arms. And I was like, yeah. oh, Lord, this is going to be really lame. The white cloaks are going to be like, oh, well, I guess we can't get by you. No, they just start smacking them down. I, yeah. I it, <clears throat> They do a really good job of making us hate the white cloaks. They oh, absolutely. really good job of that in this show. Absolutely. You know, there's three things here that I think are personified so well um two two different scenes but with three main points one is in that scene um it really shows both the tuathalon and the white cloaks and really crystallizes who they are really sharp you know because yeah. the tuathalon are it, it's not like they're gonna lay down and let them take parent in way, but what can they really do you know but they yeah. do do everything they can up to the way of the leaf to prevent that um including arm getting them out as fast as possible as much yep. as he could um you know, and of course the white cloaks just being absolutely evil as they are. But you know, what about that earlier scene when they first run in to the white cloaks and yeah. the division in between? Um, I don't know what you would call the other side. On the one side is the Inquisitors, you know, but just just say the ground troops because yeah. I'm, I'm at a loss for what what to say. But you know, the fact of oh no, that's that's beneath the Inquisitors in terms of handling the Trollocs and whatnot. In terms of the white cloaks themselves as well, just showing a little bit of even division yeah. there yeah. in terms of, you know, where they're at. Um, I really loved all those all the way down, honestly, to the costumes. I love the yeah. white cloak costumes. Yeah. Yep. So good. Yep. And they're, and they're really good about, it's like, okay, so we have basically these two, these two different departments within mm-hmm. the white cloaks. You got your soldiers and then you got the, they actually called them questioners on the show. Questioners, like in the book. That's it. That's it. Yeah, the, the book, the because they were like the Inquisitors of the Light or something. Mm-hmm. But sure. everybody referred to them as the questioners. But sure. they didn't like being called the questioners. That was not a... So for, 
for him to refer to them as questioners, I thought that was kind of funny. But it's like you've got the regular white cloaks who are already pretty bad guy. We don't like them because they are willing to do what they need to do in this cause that they, you know, this belief of theirs. But then you have the frickin' questioners that at least these other guys, they even tell Moraine, it's like, we don't have anything to do with Aes Sedai, but find one. They're the only ones that can heal that wound. And right? we're going to go to, we're going to go to this area and try to defend these people a bit against the, the Trollocs. But the questions right? are like, nah, nah, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to go hunt down Aes Sedai and kill him. That's what exactly. we do, you know? And exactly. so it's like, the white cloaks are bad enough, but the questioners are even worse. So, exactly. yeah, I uh, really enjoyed I, the white cloaks. I did too. I feel like they did a lot with the white cloaks in just a few scenes that they yeah. had them in. You know, um, even just thinking about it in the context of this conversation, you know, think about how much traction that gives them in the story. It um, really cements where they are. It cements divisions within them. Um, oh man, it's just it's done so well. Um, and I couldn't possibly hate them anymore. I don't know if there's anybody I hate more in the Wheel of Time right now. I hate them more than Pod and Fane. So, uh, right, right. And, it's, and it, I, I was really, I was really expecting to see more of Pad and Fane in, yeah. in, in the series. I was sure. honestly, as I was listening to book one and thinking I would be listening, thinking, uh, okay, how are they going to do this in the show? How are they going to, how are they, how are we going to see this in the show? And, and I was almost developing series one in my head or season one in my head just based off of that first sure. book. And I was, I figured we're, we're going to have a Pad and Fane episode. And sure. we're going to see him traveling with the Trollocs and the, in the Murdral and the way they treat him in the yeah. book, you know, at first is, you know, I think they throw him in a cook pot and that's where he sleeps and yeah. stuff like that. Cause then eventually he gets the dagger and then he becomes basically the BA of, yeah. of the shadow spawn. And, and yeah. so I was really, I, I was really expecting a lot of that. And, but I did enjoy how they just kind of hint at Pat, Pat, Pod and Fane and, you know, that, uh, Throughout the throughout the series, you get it. You get a little bit of them in the first episode. You get a couple of quick glimpses of them here and there throughout the season, and then he shows up right at the end. and And I, I really like that because I think people who haven't read the book, they're going to be like, "Wait a minute, that's Pat and Fane. He was just he was just sitting at that table right over there, you know." And and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to more of him. I think the it, again the guy that they got playing him is is wonderful. So good and. So good. Uh, yeah, I just it, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to season two. It, it sucks that uh, what are we gonna have to wait a whole year? Because that's more, really the way that stuff works. But. Yeah, unfortunately, probably more. Um, I don't think there's anything official out yet. But you know, the uh, last things I read was that you know Amazon's gonna try and give Lord of the Rings a proper push, which it probably should. Yeah. But I think this year is gonna be the year of Lord of the Rings. I don't think we will see it this year. So it would, it would probably be a 2023 thing for season two. It's my my guesstimation, but say nothing concrete. I was also, um, you know, there's they're they're trying to give these hints throughout the season. Who could be the Dragon Reborn? And sure, they have Nynaeve throwing out that that big burst of uh, power at the end of the one episode and heals yeah. everybody in the room. And yeah. the you know uh, uh, Matt and the dagger, you know, is they don't they don't. That is the one thing I did like uh, about how they changed Matt. They they don't even. You see him take the dagger, but you don't get really any information at all until Moraine uh, meets up with him that what is happening to him 
could possibly be because of the dagger. I'm sure people were thinking it, you know, I'm, the, the hints were kind of there, but they were leaning, they were trying to push you more toward whatever is going on with Matt could be because he can wield the one power and he's going crazy because of it. Sure. And the whole time it's because of the dagger. I, I, I really like that because in the uh-huh. book you knew right away because he had that dagger and, and they were not supposed to, you know, they were given the warning, don't take anything. Sure. From Shatter Logoth and, and, and all that, but they didn't really, uh, they didn't even meet Mordith in the, in, in the, in the no. show, did they? Yeah. So. No. Shatter Logoth happened way differently. Yeah. Way yeah. Differently. It was, and, yeah. And Moraine was out the whole time. I like that, that the only reason yes. they went into Shatter Logoth is because, because Lan made them, you know, it's like, I don't know what else to do. You know, so yeah. this is where we're going to go. She's, <laughs> she's unconscious. We're going to have to go there. And, and he tells them all what the place is and, and Matt, was, it was really funny. He goes, okay, first, I think that's the most you've talked all day, probably your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> really, I really like that. Oh, it was perfect. It was perfect. Lan was very much like dad when mom is unexpectedly yeah. away. Like, what do I do with these kids? We'll go to McDonald's, you know. Like, um, going, going out there, I think that's a perfect example of, of kind of what I was touching on right at the beginning when I was – you know, saying my, my few little little nitpicks talking about pacing, I think Shadow Logoth happened a little too fast. In terms yeah. of that dagger and Matt picking it up, I mean, that happened really quick. And I don't need more to be there for it for it to be proper, but for him to wake up in just this ghost city in the middle of the night and say, I'm gonna go for a stroll. <laughs> I'm gonna open this case. You know, even if it was speaking to him and kinda of calling to him, it just it felt a little fast. Um but the one thing I do really, really like about this is, you know, obviously in books you have internal monologue and a very easy way to convey that internal monologue. And so in the books, when we're reading these, we know about Matt. We know about yep. parent talking to wolves. We know all these things because we have that internal monologue. And you see all these different devices and ways to convey that in film and in, in shows. And what I like is they're not really attempting much of that, actually. Yep. And I like that. I like that, you know, with parent you know something's going on with him and wolves, but in the show, it's still not defined what that yeah, is. Yeah. A watcher of the show still doesn't know that he's actually talking to these wolves in his mind, that he can, you know, kind of communicate with them in that way. A watcher of the show might suspect something going on with with Matt, yeah. particularly if they're a student watching. But you don't really understand exactly what's happening. I like no, that. All, all they know is that he's got some kind of connection with wolves. Mm-hmm. And that Moraine says, don't tell anybody about it because <laughs> the Reds may kill him. You know, that's, exactly. it has nothing to do with, with the one power. I think she does mention that. Yes. But I, I do hope we see we, we do get some, uh, you know, in the next season uh, of him seeing him actually communicating with the wolves because yes. heck Hopper was is one of my favorite characters in the books, you know, and he's Absolutely. just a, a freaking wolf in his in his dreams, you know. So, sure. and, and I mean, that Hopper's an established character. I mean, here's a wolf that, that as a cub would see the eagles flying and, and wanted to fly and would jump up in the air. And so yes. he, he or she, I can't remember if it was male or female, but was named, named sure. Hopper. And I, yeah. I, and that they call him Young Bull. And, and I, I, exactly. You know, they don't, I just, I hope we get some of that. If, if we don't, we don't. I mean, we've got his yellow eyes. We know he has some kind of connection with them, but. Um, sure. maybe in the next season he will meet Elias, yes. uh, and, and then some of that, more of that will come out. So instead of Elias being the, 
in the book where that's kind of when he started communicating with wolves. It'll be more like he doesn't understand what's what's going on until he meets Elias and then, you know, somebody else like him that can do this and then he can learn a little bit more and, and, uh, and whatnot. But. Absolutely. That's that's kind of my 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 season two predictions. And uh, I would like to ask you what yours are as well. But I do think, you know, a lot of people think Elias is just not going to be included in the show. And maybe he won't be. But I, I think Elias could very easily be worked into season two. And oh, yeah. Could, you know, retroactively kind of explain things a little bit. And that would be really, really strengthen it, in my opinion. I think that would be really good. You could introduce Hopper and maybe maybe, you know, some of those conversations. But I also think season two is going to combine the second and the third book and finish out the trilogy of the first three within two seasons. I, I really think they could do both the Stone of Tear, you know, and uh, is, is it the Battle of Faldara? Is it right over there or is it, I might be getting my places mixed up. Um, see, like the Shan Chan. Yeah, book two is, oh. the, is the Shan Chan. Yeah. Um, they, because at the end of book one, of course, they all go to the Eye of the World. And that's where they get the, uh, the Horn of Valier. They take it back to Faldara where Padden Fane is a prisoner. And we find out that somebody, some, one of the Faldarans is a, is a, is a dark friend, lets all these Trollocs and whatnot into Faldara. They, they rescue Padden Fane. They steal the horn. And then that's when Rand and Matt and Perrin with Uno and Masima and, uh, that other dude, Ingtar. Then they mm-hmm. go after the horn, and it ends mm-hmm. with them wherever that is, way down there, and with battling the Sean Chin, and that's when he has the big the big fight with somebody, and it's it's shown in the it, he's the dark one, and it's shown in the sky, and everybody knows that the dragon has been reborn, and and uh, you know I've just started I've just started book three, so I'm not got you. you you've read it um, more recently than I have. Dan. How how does uh, the Great Hunt? I know how it ends, but I'm getting my. Uh, my wheel of time locations mixed up. Where does it end? You know, where, um, where does Rand battle the shot chat? Where does Matt use the horn? Um, I'm trying to think of the name of that place. Um, Toman's head. Toman's head. He that's was it. To meet. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which so, is outside of one of the big cities. And I just can't remember the name of the, the city where the Sean Chen is basically it. That's where they're, they, they have, uh, they've invaded and that's where they have, uh, set their seat of power for the time being. And, Exactly. Egwene gets gets captured by the freaking Demani, and you know she becomes a Demani, yes. and uh, yes. yeah, that's some good stuff. It is, it is. So, so I think both of those things. I think Tolman's head. I think the Stone of Tear are going to be in the yeah. next season, and um, I could even see it be swapped in terms of order. I could see the Stone of Tear happen before Tolman's head, um, just because the Shan Chan were introduced as like the very last thing in the eighth episode. I feel yeah. like defeating that was them cool. makes sense to be the very last thing for season two. And they looked awesome. It was cool. Yeah, like, that was cool. Um, I, I almost like, you know, the way, for lack of other words, I think they're referred to as leashes, but, you know, the leashes being more around, like, the, the mouth and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, it, it's such a dehumanizing thing, no matter how yeah. you put it. It does okay. kind of emphasize their control yeah. of these people. It's like they're not only leashed, they're muzzled. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they, they just absolutely really dehumanize anybody that can channel. Um, Sean Chan are pretty atrocious, honestly. Uh, we, we all know that, but the, the viewer doesn't know that yet. They will find that out very quickly yeah. if yeah. they have it from that poor little girl who decided to. Right. <laughs> what was she doing? Getting seashells or collecting crabs? Yeah, something, or something like that. Yeah. Just, 
it was excessive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, I, that, that's what I think is going to happen in the next season. I, I think those two big moments there, we're going to see match third book arc. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think it can be pulled together really nice and then set it up perfectly for shifting and going into the wasteland and dealing with the Aiel in season three, fingers crossed. So, yeah, I'm hoping for season two that we'll meet some of the forsaken because, uh, we should have met them when they went to the eye of the world. But of course that happened, that unfolded completely differently, completely differently. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Way different than how I did in the book, uh, sure. because it was just Moraine and Rand instead of the whole group. Um, and a lot of book two, because there is a lot of book two that that they don't they don't need to include in the show. Sure. Um, sure. You know, because there's a point because because ultimately it's a big part of the book is them trying to get the Horn of Valier back. And yes. then Rand gets separate Rand and, and Loyal and uh, oh, what is the name of the sniffer? The, oh, I know you're talking about. Kieran, yes, Kieran, yes. They they fall asleep next to that portal stone. They go into an alternate universe, and uh, that's where they meet Lanfear. But she's yeah. she you know she goes by Celine, and then so there's a lot of that that they don't necessarily have to include. They're, they, I think they're going to introduce Celine. Yes, I know they're going to introduce. We know that they're going to introduce uh, Elaine and Queen Morgays in the second season because they've cast them. Yes. So how that's going to happen, you know, I don't is is or uh, uh, is Rand going to stop by, you know, Camelin while they're hunting for the horn or, you know, because we know they they did have uh freaking Patton Fane st- take the horn with them. So we know they're going to have to they're going to go chase it down. Sure. Sure. Um, but how are we going to be introduced to Elaine? Is it going to be in Camelin or is it going to be when she comes to Tarvalon? I think it's going to be the latter. Personally, um, so, yeah. it's probably um, the easiest way to do it. Yeah. And part of the reason I say that I'm basing it off of uh, a quote from Rafe, you know, clearly I read way too many interviews with this guy because I'm just I'm, I'm so jazzed about it. But, you know, he mentioned one of the reasons that they didn't meet in Camelin as they do in, the, in you know, Eye of the World in the show is because it would have broke their budget. Um, yeah, and, yeah. You know, when you think about Camelin and the way it's described in the books, it's pretty much one of the grandest cities Yep. In that world, um, and to think about having to do some of those scenes, yeah, I can see that breaking their budget. So it does make sense to maybe bring Elaine in a little later. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but I'd actually forgot about Kieran as a character. And when you mentioned him and mentioned the sniffer, this idea just popped in my head. I haven't really rolled it through my brain very much, but from a showrunner's perspective and the idea of condensing, what about the idea of you know, just kind of mashing up the characters of Kieran and Elias. That's a perfect way to still include Elias yeah. in the story and can be done in season two and uh, introduce Perrin to Elias that way. Because Perrin is right there with the sniffer. He's right there yeah. with Kieran. And, and he's and just it's, pretending it's something different. It's it's Huron. Huron. Uh, with an H. Apologies. Huron, like Lake, almost like Lake Huron, but it's Huron. H U R I N, but yeah, there's. Well, no, it's okay. it's okay. I don't, I don't, I don't want the listeners. It's Huron, you know what I mean? What are you doing? But uh, in that, yeah, because in that book too, when Huron and and Rand and uh, Loyal fall asleep next to that portal stone, well, Ingtar and the rest still need to go after the horn, and Perrin, using the wolves, can still track them. 
And Inktar, who, who leads the force, he, he knows about this, but he's like, we'll just tell everybody else that you're a sniffer. And, you know, yeah, they could easily say, all right, well, Huron and, you know, meld those two characters. And the reason he's a sniffer is because he's using the wolves to, to, to help find stuff. So yeah, they could easily do that. I think that would be wonderful. Let's, let's, let's send an email off to Rafe and let him know we figured it out. (laughs) Get that reply way ahead of you, bud. (laughs) See that? Yeah. Done. It's already done. Come on, guys. We're working on season four. We're writing season four right now. Oh man, I hope. I hope. Yeah, but I hope it gets to go at least eight seasons. I, I could, I could go I for ten too. seasons. But I do too. You know, it's whenever I would see. I'm not. I don't follow a lot of like the Twitter time stuff. So the the reactions I've been seeing online are, are from the people that I just regularly follow on Twitter or on Facebook. Sure. And uh, it's like if if the the people who have read the books seem mm-hmm. to really enjoy it. They yes. have nitpicks every now and then because, you know, you can't be a, a diehard fan of something and not complain about when something's changed. Sure. But a lot of the folks that I know online that have watched it that have never read the books, they didn't seem to like it very much. And so that really? that got me kind of worried. I don't know how I feel like I read somewhere that it that it, it, people are responding to the show uh, positively. It is yes. it is pe- people are really enjoying the show. So yes. I think it's just a few folks that. um you know, I think the person who I, I I know online who said they they weren't enjoying the show also tried to start reading the books and they got a few chapters in and was like, this is this this is a slog. This is not. And it's Oof. if you're going to read the first book of a freaking 14 book series. Don't expect <laughs> it to be quickly paced. You know, that's <laughs> one of the things I like about those books so much is because there's so, so much in them. You just really yes. get time to develop these characters and get to know them. And, and uh, you know, but. This a lot of people who anybody and and again we're going to do a Game of Thrones comparison, but if you even just compare the books, Game of Thr- the the Song of Ice and Fire or whatever it's called to uh, the the Wheel of Time, um, the Wheel of Time books almost come from a a different generation of how uh, sprawling fantasy books were written. Sure, you know, there is still some of that old school Lord of the Rings type of thought process behind world building and, and, and writing and, and whatnot. And, and then, uh, people got to understand that it's books that wheel of time inspired game of Thrones, you know? Sure. But sure. nowadays books, they, they are more fast paced mm-hmm. people, people, you know, then people's attention spans. If they're not, <laughs> if they're not hooked by the first chapter with some exciting bit of information, then, then nobody, they're not going forward with the book. Sure, um, sure. And that's just not how it was necessarily done back then. You you would be interested. You'd find, mm-hmm. you know, you'd finish a chapter, the first chapter and go, OK, I'm, I'm curious. This is a, this is seems to be interesting. I'm going to keep going. But you weren't like, oh, my God, I've got to read the next chapter, you know, sure. like they, they do nowadays. But yeah. um, I think for those of us who have put in the time to read the books, you know, we've gotten the reward we deserve. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I can't wait till you uh till you get to to the end. And uh I, I don't expect maybe a phone call as soon as you finish, but I expect <laughs> at least an email. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about it. But uh one thing that I, I've always found fascinating and uh for the the Wheel of Time book diehards, please forgive me because I, I might mangle a little bit of this information. But I remember hearing multiple times uh various sources that with any of the worlds uh when Robert Jordan was writing it, the publisher had a lot of hand in steering that. 
you know, they, they kept throwing out a lot of suggestions. They, they wanted it to go in a certain direction. Um, it does get a lot of uh, Tolkien comparisons, and rightfully so. When you take that story, you compare it to Lord of the Rings, you look at them. ton of sim- uh, similarities there. But I think it's worth noting that the publisher had a, a direct hand in a lot of those similarities. It, it was very yeah. intentional and is intentionally driven. And from there, you do see the story use that like a launch pad to go in a really different direction than anything with Lord of the Rings. Um, but even from a publishing standpoint, I think it's effective to start in a place that people are familiar with and then go to a place that's completely uncharted terrain. Um, so, yeah. It's a long series. It's an undertaking. It took me most of a year to get through, and I was diligently listening to those audiobooks. But you're absolutely right. The payoff, the reward is absolutely incredible. And I actually heard that Robert Jordan wrote the ending before he yeah. really wrote anything else. Yeah. And you'll get, if you listen to the audiobooks, you'll get to a chapter that's over eight hours long. Oh, yeah. And even though that book came out after he passed, he wrote that yeah. full fleshed, and it's so good. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know when I'm going to finish it because uh, I started book three a while back and then I ended up taking a, a break because sure. I'm listening to uh, I'm almost done with it. It's called a uh, dope panic okay. Tiger's Guide to the Galaxy. It's a it's a Neil Gaiman. No, no, Neil. Neil oh. It's it's about Douglas Adams and nice. and and uh, Neil Gaiman wrote it. It's apparently it's a fairly old book, okay. but it's been it's been added to throughout the years. So this is like the fifth version or something. And. And uh, I'm listening to it, and Simon Jones, who played Arthur Dent in the TV show, is 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 reading it. It's it's really good. And of course, now I'm like, oh, I want to read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So again, but, it's so good. Oh, yeah, it's one of my it's favorites of all time. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, I'm going to look that up. I'm actually going to check that out. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking that was maybe like the the fifth book, or there, there was a couple stragglers yeah. that came. Yeah, that he Douglas Adams wrote five of them, and then okay. Ian Colfer. Who wrote the uh, the the Artemis Fowl books? Yeah, he wrote a sixth book after Douglas Adams had passed. He got like a, like I think the somebody involved gave him the the thumbs up, but he wrote a book called um and another thing or something like that. It's it's and I remember nice. it being pretty good, but uh, wonderful. Yeah, I so instead of I I, I was like, well, now I want to listen to Hitchhikers, and then I thought, no, actually, I want to read it. So I'm reading. Okay. Hitchhikers, and then as soon as nice. I'm done with this dope panic book, which I think I've only got about 30 minutes left, sure. then I'm going to jump back into uh, uh, book three of of the Wheel of Time, and I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm just gonna do that. Every time I finish yeah. a Wheel of Time book, I'm going to listen to a biography. You know, I've got a, uh, I've got um Dave Grohl's biography in in my queue, so I'm gonna when nice. I finish book three, I'm gonna listen to Dave Grohl's biography. Very nice. We'll go from there because I think as much as I love the Wheel of Time. Um, if I do nothing but listen to Wheel of Time for the next year, it yeah. might drive me a little crazy. <laughs> well, it, it's a slow burn anyway. You know, it's a slow yeah. burn. Yeah. It's a really long series that makes complete sense. Honestly, that's a good yeah. way to do it. And I, I, and I yeah, and I only have about 20 to 30 minutes a day, five days a week to listen to it. That's when I'm taking my kids to school and picking them back up. So Fair enough. I started, uh, started playing grindy video games so I could actually listen to audiobooks while I'm playing them. Yeah. <laughs> I try, you know, I try to listen when I'm working because uh, a lot of the stuff I do is, you know, putting together reports and building spreadsheets and, and stuff sure. like that. But I find that I can't even just doing something as as mind numbing as as putting a spreadsheet together. I I find I can't concentrate on the book and I 
realize that 20 minutes has gone by and I have no idea how we got to where we are at this point. And, and it, so I just, I can, I can pay perfect attention when I'm driving in the car, but that's about it. That makes sense. I'm, I'm the same way, but the opposite side of the coin in that uh, I would pay more attention to the book. So all of my uh, my reports that I'm doing is uh, this is a low concern of fraud. The client. Oh, my God. Can you believe Egwene just did that? <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it wouldn't go well. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was watching these first three episodes again, there's a moment where uh, Rand and Egwene are arguing. It's after they've left and. uh Rand is all upset because Egwene is going to be a wisdom, and then then she might be an Aes Sedai. Oh, you're leaving me out of your life, and yeah. ooh, and and they're fighting at one point. And I'm just like, oh, I'm, I don't like all this fighting from them. And then it just hit me: there are a number of scenes in that first book where they are fighting so much that uh, like Lan and Moraine have to get on them for being so loud because they're just shouting at each other. Totally, and, you know, stuff like that that I I forget. And then when it hits me as I'm watching the show, it's like, oh, I, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're touching on the, the right things here. They hit it. They, they really hit it. Um, you know, not, not just do the actors and actresses absolutely nail their portrayals of the characters, in my opinion. But I, I do think, you know, well, okay, maybe you could critique certain little bits of dialogue. The overall just presentation of those characters is pretty perfect to the core of those characters, I feel like, oh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of scenes that aren't in the books that, that we see, but it's almost, sometimes it's almost like seeing, you know, the scenes that were left out of the books, you know, we, yeah. while we were reading about, you know, this, this character, all of a sudden, and while Edmund's field is burning, you have Nynaeve screaming at a trollet, pulling her belt knife. That's completely on brand for Nynaeve. That's who yep. she is. Like, yep. all of those were just so good. Just so Yeah, good. it's, it's, it may not have happened in the book, but you could totally see the character doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. So what are your predictions for season two? What are your predictions and what do you want to see? My predictions and what do I want to see? Well, those are probably going to line up all together. Um, you know, I've already thrown a few out there. I do mm-hmm. think, and it's already been confirmed in the interview, but not just, uh, I think, are we going to see, you know, Matt's uh, third story arc? Uh, I think we're going to see the return of Tom. Um, I think they're going to leave Tarvalin, uh, Tarvalon, excuse me, uh, together there. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, put that one with Kieran there. Uh, <laughs> but I think we're going to, I think we're going to see the Red Eyes become involved and it's probably going to happen in the first episode or two. Um, I think we're going to see Matt fully healed. I, I know that was a, a sticking point with a lot of, um, you know, real avid book readers in the first season. Oh, you know, Ma- Maureen's not powerful enough to completely heal this dagger from him and all this. I don't think he's completely healed. I think that's yeah. part of, of something that's going to come into play real early on. And then because he's involved with the Red Eyes, so they healed him. Tom's going to bust him out. Tom has feelings about that. Yeah. He's still around. He knows Matt, you know, and, and that provides that perfect springboard there. Um, I think in the second season, we'll see Mwaiu, and that's going to be exciting because we're going to have to have that gradual shift into the third, which I, I feel like is going to be very Aiel heavy. Um, I do think we're going to see more of the Forsaken. I think we might see Ishii again, um, which we haven't talked about it, but, you know, right there, uh, well, I don't have to say anything about spoilers at this point, but right there at the very last episode, you know, uh, him and Ishmael, if you notice right before that, that flash of light. I don't think it's Balefire, but I don't know. It, it cracked mm-hmm. the, the cullen door, right? So yeah. maybe it is. But you notice him smirk right before. 
You know, it's not that he is distressed about what's happening. And then it cracks that seal. And then there's even that little bit of monologue while Rand is out and he's speaking to Moraine and he's, you know, you don't know what he's doing right now. Is it to help me or to, to hurt me? You know, I really do think Rand was tricked into that. I think he's still around. You know, I think we're going to see that he's still around. Um, so I do think we're going to see more Forsaken. And as mentioned, I think we're going to see both the Stone of Tear and we're going to see Thomas Head. And I... I'm kind of of the opinion, and this is maybe the farthest reach. I'm of the opinion that they'll be flipped. I think we're going to see the Stone of Tear before we see Thomas Head. Yeah. Honestly, because it would make sense for Rand to have, um, you know, the, the actual blade and everything when, when he's going in there. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know, because one thing with the eighth episode they did as well is, you know, a lot of the things that Rand was doing at the very end of the world, they divided between the different characters. And Rafe has even stated that that was intentionally one to make it more of an ensemble piece. He felt that the series as a whole really does become more of an ensemble piece with Eye of the World, maybe the first few books being a little bit more Rand-centric. And while I do feel like it pulls a little bit of emphasis away from the Dragon Reborn, because there is this whole buildup of, you know, who is the Dragon Reborn and the underlying unspoken question of why do we care, right? How powerful is he? And so by not having him do all these crazy feats, we're, we're pulling a little bit away from that. But I do still believe in the ensemble piece thought, and, and I do believe that. So how much is still going to be Rand? Or, yeah. you know, instead of all of Toman's head being Rand, now is it going to be Egwene breaking free of the Shanshan and her you know, actually doing a lot of that. So I think that will be an element as well. But those are all my season two predictions. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because it makes sense because Perrin was there when the horn was stolen by Padden Fane. Maybe he's the one that goes, you know, goes with the group to go get the horn while Moraine convinces Rand that he has to go to the Stone of Tear. And then it's from, you know, so Perrin's doing his thing to get the to get the horn while Rand is doing his thing at the Stone of Tear, and then sure. they meet up on Tome and Head. Uh, you know. Exactly. Or, you know, something that even just occurred to me, uh, the, the tie of the dagger and the fact that Pondfane has the dagger, the fact that Matt, you know, had the dagger, and maybe he's not fully cured at the beginning of the season two, but maybe that pull is what drives him towards Pod and Fane in some yeah. way. That's another avenue that he could reclaim the Horn of Valir and still use the Horn of Valir at the end of season two. So th- those are also things that could happen. Yeah. You know, some, you mentioned the Red Alja and that got me thinking something I think that they did in the series that in, in the season that I, I don't think they really did in the books was they kind of more clarified who the Red Aja are. Cause in the books, I always sure. got the sense that their main purpose was hating men. And hunting down men who could channel. And that's it. That was their, that was their purpose. But in the series, it's, they're, they're almost like internal affairs for the, for, for the, the Aes Sedai. They're, sure. they're, they there's even one of the, the, uh, Wheel of Time Origins animated shorts yeah. kind of refers to them as they, th- their job is to ensure that nobody is abusing the one power. That's whether it's men or women, they don't, you know, so it's sure. not just that they are all, they're there to hunt down men who can channel. If, if you're a, 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 an Aes Sedai and you're abusing your power, then, then they're going to come after you too. So I found that kind of interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that brings me right back to that, that fifth to sixth episode. Maybe it's the sixth, but, you know, Leandrin? Oh my mm-hmm. God. 
such an amazing, amazing job portraying yeah. that character. And I mean, you just you hate her so bad. I mean, you you really do. But um, <laughs> that scene with Moraine shutting her down, I almost had to rewind that on the spot. If I wasn't yeah. watching it with my wife, I would have. I, I yeah. know my wife probably wouldn't have stood for it. But I was like, oh, my God, it was so good. Um, just just the whole thing. Um, I really do think. They've, they've done a good job of kind of explaining the eyes to us as it's as it went without it being too much exposition. Yep. And that's been great. You, even down to Leandra's little monologue with Naive, like, oh, is that what you think? Well, you know, and uh, and really reemphasized, even with Moraine's threat, just kind of, hey, I know about that guy you're seeing. I know what your sisters will do to him. Never talk about this again. Like, you yeah. know, it was, it was so cold. It was perfect. Yeah. Never went right back to planning their day with Land. I yep. loved it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It's. It. I really enjoy it. I'm. Uh. The second season can't come out sooner. Sooner. You know. But I'll wait. I'll wait. There's all kinds of other crap on TV to watch. You know. Yes. There's so much stuff out there. Um. Who? Well, let me just ask you this. Who was your favorite character from the show? That is a tough question. That is a tough question. There's a lot of characters I really liked. You know, Matt. Well established by now, it's my favorite book yeah. character. Not my favorite show character, and I really enjoyed him in the show. Um, you you did point out quite accurately. Tom doesn't have a lot of screen time. I think Tom is right up there. Uh, I think his his lack of screen time maybe prevents him from being my number one. But he, he's real close. He's real close. For me personally, I think I'm gonna have to go with Nynaeve for the first season. Just really nails that character. Yeah. You know, uh, and just it's, it's just so perfect, really so perfect. When when uh, she I think it's the end of episode two. It's after they leave Shadow Logoth and yeah. uh, Lan is there with Moraine, who's unconscious. And then Nine yeah. suddenly just is there with the sword to his throat. Like, yes. tell me where they are now or I'll kill you. And then yes. the next episode opens up and she's still like that. Yeah. And uh, Lan says something to the effect of. I know and you know that you're not going to do anything with that yes. sword. And then she tries to stab him. <laughs> and of course, he doesn't allow it. And he, he, he knocks a sword out of her hand or whatever. But he meant, he goes, you just tried to kill me. Exactly. And he's almost like surprised and yet amused at the same time. Yes. Really enjoyed that. Um, oh, there was something else I was going to bring up. Oh, I did find it odd. Um, in that first episode, there's, there's a moment where, uh, le- they're, they're cleaning up the wine spring in. They're, they're putting the dishes away. Egwene, Rand, Tam, Egwene's parents are there. And then at one point, Egwene's mom is just like, um, Rand, Egwene, why don't you just put the rest of the dishes away? And then they all leave. <laughs> and then R- Rand and Egwene just have sex right there in the common room of the wine spring in. Of course, they don't show it. You know, they, it's, it's all happens off camera, but still it's almost like the mom was like, Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're going to leave you two alone. <laughs> I found that really cut. I did find that a little weird. The parents, but, everybody wishes they had as a teenager. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I know that in the, in the books, there, there's a, there was a lot of conversation about, I know Rand had talked about, uh, once, um, Egwene's mom, when I was a kid, I kind of, you know, once Egwene's mom noticed me noticing Egwene, she kind of made it her, her goal in life to work with Tam to get the two of us together. You know, it's like, yeah. so that's, I mean, that's kind of there with that scene, but still it's, sure. it, it was really kind of weird. And cause you can't, if, if that wasn't her purpose, if it was really like, 
me and uh, my old man and Tam, we're going to go do some drinking, you know, so we're and we're going to let you guys finish cleaning this up because we don't want to do that. That's why we have kids to to do this kind of stuff for us, you know, so we're just going to leave you two alone. If that was the fact, then Rand and Egwene are pretty brave to just be like, we're just going to do it right here in the middle of the freaking common room. (laughs) And they had they had because it because when it comes back to them afterwards, they got like a blanket laid over a table or something. You know, it's it's not like just one of those. Let's just quickly do it before they come back. Yes. It's, they set up. They set the mood. They yes. they made a bed. They did all that stuff. And uh, and that just might be how it is in the two rivers. Um, Evans Field. I thought the you only uh, I think the only other thing I wanted to point out is how in the book it was very much. You didn't say the word dragon. You just didn't. If anybody heard you mention the dragon, you know, you could have a dragon's fang carved on your door or somebody would tell the white cloaks or something. But they're in the middle of towns and stuff, and they're very free with, well, what if I'm the dragon reborn? You could be the dragon reborn. And they don't seem to even the characters in the in who, you know, in the books didn't even want to think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, Rand and Matt and Perrin, they didn't want they want to think about anybody who can channel. and, And they just seem to be really. There, there's the scene in the in the first episode where everybody's really nervous about Moraine when she shows up at the end. But sure. then after that, it's like hanging out with somebody who can channel. You know, it's like no big yeah. deal. They don't they don't really they don't really give it that uh, that fear that everybody seemed to have who didn't grow up because they were like you know they're they're back home country folk who who uh, mistrust that kind sure. of stuff. And and uh, I don't know. I I felt that was a it was a different choice. To, they just didn't. They just didn't seem to care too much after a while. Sure, yeah. it was a tonal shift. There, there yeah. was, but there were still the elements of mistrust of Aes Sedai. It just wasn't, you know, overbearing. Um, right. Nynaeve, who, who just distrusts strangers. Let's let's be honest. But yeah. I think she's the first person that kind of, hey, we're all going to be better off once she's gone. You know, kind of thing. It introduces that, and you get a little bit of it from Tom, uh, but. Overall, it seems like most people just more, they know Aes Sedai, they more revere them, you know, they know they're powerful and that, that's about it. And that's maybe not the same as the books, but that still feels like in the spirit pretty on par. Um, I don't know if continuity is the right, you know, word to reference here, but when it comes to references with the dragon, you know, there are a couple scenes as well that pop in memory where, you know, Moraine gives that sharp look to curtail from saying a certain thing. Like when Rand yeah. and Moraine are talking right after, you know, she heals Matt, you know, she kind of stops him short from saying specific words right there on that balcony. So there are like little bits of that, but there are other moments, you're right, where they're much more free, kind of out in the open. Like, I can't be the dragon, you know, and all this yeah. and saying these sorts of really incriminating things um, normally. So... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think they were just maybe they were kind of wanting to leave all the uh, mis most of the mistrust and the hate mm-hmm. to the white cloaks. Sure. That's you know, maybe that's they were really that's what separates the, the white cloaks from other people. I mean, they I guess they did have that moment on Terran Ferry where mm-hmm. when they land cuts the ropes of the yes. ferry and the, the, the guy's like, I need to get back to my family. And finally, he's like, the white cloaks are right about you, Aes Sedai, you know, and yes. So, yeah. Yes. I'm glad they included that, too. And I, I'm glad yeah. it was as brutal as it was. It was. Because, you know, it, it was hard to watch in, in a certain way. But it really paints that that picture of, of Moraine. And it's really a, at all costs 
picture, which it should be for her character, you know, um, just like, hey, you know, I will kill them before I let them yeah. go to the dark one. That's totally more right. That's her MO. So. I think the thing I would have liked to have them uh, would have liked for them to have clarified in that situation, though, is when he mentions my family is back there. Yeah. Are they in that freaking hut right there where he was sitting out in front of or yeah. are they back? I, I'm assuming they're back in the town. Sure. And that's just his hut when he's when he's on the job. That's where they, they hang out. Because I sure. would like to think that if he's got a wife and kids in that hut, she yeah. would have taken them. She wouldn't have just left them behind knowing that there's a whole horde of Trollocs because there were a crap ton of Trollocs back there, you know? And yeah. so when he, at one point when he goes, but my wife, my family's back there. I'm like, Oh my God, are they in that hut? Cause yeah. they're surrounded by freaking Trollocs right now. Yeah. So hopefully that wasn't the case, but oh, man, I'd be under the bed so fast. I mean, the bed might be in the air. I'm kind of a large person, but I would be under it. You know? <laughs> I was, I, and I was really happy with the, like, I, like we've said, the Trollocs looked good except for sure. certain, certain moments. Yeah. Um, and I, I hope that their budget can grows as the seasons go on. Um, cause there were, there, there, even the moments that weren't CGI, there were moments when, like, uh, as I was watching the first episode again and Lan was fighting some Trollocs, it's like, Mm-hmm. That's totally a guy in a, in a, in a furry, in a furry suit. You could just, sure. you can, you could just, sure. you, you, you lose it for a moment and then you come sure. right back into it. And, yeah. but, but still, I think that, uh, I, the first episode to me, um, I don't know about you, but when I watched that first episode, I had this giant smile on my face oh, yeah. the whole time. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm yeah. glad they didn't follow the book because if we, if we only saw what was in the book, then we only saw the Trollocs at the farm. And didn't and and then saw what happened afterward at exactly. the in, in Emmons Field, but we got to see Lan and Moraine throw down. That was really cool. Exactly. And, uh, just looking forward to more of that. You know, as a as a book reader, uh, I think the perspective I've adopted most is after so many years of being a fan of the Wheel of Time, it's so exciting to have new content to go into. And sure, it's a story we've read. You know, but the fact that they're deviating the way they are keeps it fresh for us as well. It's not a detriment on any level, yeah. in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It would not have been the same if he just focused on Rand, you know, and Tam at the farmhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that wasn't exciting in the books, but visually, from a watcher's standpoint, it was so much better to watch Edmunds Field. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine most of that episode would be made up of him in the freaking woods in the middle of the night, dragging yeah. Tam through the woods as he's like, oh, we found the child in the snow. And, you know, it's like that visually, that would have been pretty boring. Absolutely. And, and to take it back to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, okay. th- you know, he wrote that as a as a as a radio show first. Oh, it was, it was a radio show for the BBC. And then he wrote a book mm-hmm. and he made changes. Mm-hmm. When he wrote the book and then okay. they did a TV show and he made changes again. And then sure. they did the movie and change it from the radio show to the book, to the TV show, to the movie. It's like you're there. The, some of the basic elements are all there, but they're just all completely different things. Sure. And, you know, I think we talked about that last time. It's like, mm-hmm. there's things that you can do in a book that you can't do on TV. It just doesn't sure. work. And there's exactly. like the, like the internal monologue, the internal dialogue and stuff like that. Exactly. And there's stuff that you can do on TV that doesn't necessarily work in a book. And so things are going to have to change. I just, I think people weren't expecting 
stuff like uh Perrin to have a have a wife, you know. Sure. That sure. again when he first said that in that episode, I mean Perrin's married and I'm like, that's a weird joke. I don't <laughs> I don't understand why that's supposed to be funny. Is that a dig? You know, and then oh, holy crap, he is married. That <clears throat> I almost had to stop the episode and sit there and just get used to that for a second. Perrin being married sure. when the show started. But any of those three characters got married, though, Perrin would be oh, the yeah. first of the totally. three boys to get yep. married. And, yep. uh, I, you know, to, to piggyback off what you were saying, uh, you know, with, with the different mediums and how storytelling would be different across all of them. How weird would it have been from a book standpoint if they revealed the dragon the way they did in the show, you know? Right. And the way they did in the show was was so perfect for a show. Um, I actually really enjoyed in episode seven when they went into the whole, you know, Rand revealing that he knows yeah. he's the dragon reborn. Yeah. It's not something that he realizes. It's okay, we're going to go back and we're actually going to, you know, the scenes we didn't show you of him helping Tam through the woods and Tam having this fever yep. dream and all these yeah. little elements that you think, okay, they're just going to leave this stuff out. No, we're going to include right. little bits of that. And that's that was right. just wonderful, in my opinion, to go back. Yeah, that. that's right. I forgot about that. They did go back to that. And then it tied into the to the flashback at the beginning of the episode with the, yes. with the high yield and everything. And, uh, you know, the moment when he was in that room with that, with in the, in the town where they met Tom, when he was in that room with the woman who turned out to be a dark fiend, mm-hmm. a dark friend, and mm-hmm. he's trying to get out the door and she's like, nobody can break that door down. It's steel and blah, blah, blah. And then he does. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well that's, that's the moment he first, I, I caught that. That was yeah. the moment he first used his power. They don't sure. make any big deal out of it. They don't try to emphasize it. It just, it just happened. Exactly. But I'm like, you know, it's, it's almost played off as he got lucky. Yeah. But sure. when they were in the ways mm-hmm. and the, the, the Mashadar was creeping up on him and you think Egwene is the one that yes. threw the, threw the power and, and knocked and then it's revealed that that was actually Rand. That actually blew my mind. It's like, Oh, that's cool. That was that Rand. Was that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yes. That was so good. What, so did, what good. did you, what did you think of the ways? I like the ways. Um, I like the ways more than I thought I was going to at the end of episode six. If I'm yeah. being honest, that was the one thing, you know, by episode six, you know, you had the first three episodes drop all at once and then we're, we're going to a weekly thing. So, you know, when I watched episode six and I saw that first little intro of the ways, I was actually worried. I'm going to be honest yeah. the whole next week. I was like, oh man, I don't know if the ways look a little cheap. You know, I'm not feeling that. By the time we actually got to the ways, I actually really enjoyed how they looked. I thought it looked really cool. Um, you know, just like the flashes of light over this weird geometrical almost looking kind of uh, yeah. pillars of stone and bridges. And um, I thought Mashador looked pretty good, honestly. Um, I don't want to say particularly given the CGI on the rest of the show, but I, I thought it was one of the, the yeah. better done things in that regard. So I actually really enjoyed all of that. Um I thought it was quick. I would say that's the only downside is, is man, that was just like a five minute burst. Yeah. And I expected something a lot longer. So I, I honestly was expecting the entire episode. I was worried. Yes. I was expecting the entire episode would be, cause it was even, I think the episode was even called the ways or mm-hmm. into the ways or something like that. Yes. So I expected the entire episode to be fully with, you know, they'd start the episode out going in and then the episode would end with them leaving. Yes. So <clears throat> while I was worried about that, there was a part of me that's like, that's going to get boring after a while. Then I want to sure. see them doing more stuff. Yeah. But then to only have that small moment, it, it's like, 
I didn't want it to be a full episode, but I also didn't want it to be that short. It, they could have been at least half the episode or something, but they, you know, they, they condensed a lot of things to get to where they needed to get. And, uh, I can forgive them. Oh, absolutely. It, you know, when, when you think about it, I guess from a visual storytelling standpoint, the ways is a section where you could do some really fun and amazing things, but also visually you you're not going to be able to do a whole lot. You know, you'd be able to play off that minimalistic aspect and maybe be able to get, and there was some really cool shots in there, you know, some top down shots, you see their torches and it's just black all around them, you know, and mentally when I picture the ways and I'm thinking about the books, yeah, that's absolutely what I picture, you know? So those were all really, really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, just like just like Shadar Logoth, honestly, you know, it, it felt Shadar Logoth felt actually longer than the ways, but certain elements of it, like Matt grabbing that dagger, felt light speed, and yeah. um, the ways kind of followed suit, kind of makes sense, I guess, in the context of the story and getting to Faldera um, was a. I, I wasn't actually expecting that in that episode, so seeing all of that really blew me away. It was so yeah. good. So, yeah. what what did you think of the blight? I was hoping for more from the blight. Okay. I, I was hoping to see, is it, you know, I wasn't expecting what we got in the book, um, especially knowing before they got into the blight that it was just going to be Moraine and Rand. Mm-hmm. But in the book, there were creatures in there, like the, like the mm-hmm. giant worm and, yeah. and, uh, some, some of the weird monsters that was in there. I was kind of hoping for some of that, but, um, I don't know. I almost, I could see people watching that part and comparing it to like the, the Fangorn forest in, in freaking a uh, Lord of the Rings or something. Sure. Um, but I- again, it's like they, they take certain elements. Like we, we've got to show these certain things. We got to show the ways, got to show sure. the blight, but yeah. we don't have a lot of time and the budget's not as big as, as if we were doing a major movie or anything. So we got to, sure. we got to show it get out of it and get, get to where we're going to go. Cause the, the main part is him act in the eye of the world. That's the crux. That's where we sure. gotta be. Sure. So, I mean, I wasn't disappointed. I mean, I kind of was, I wanted to see some of the <laughs> monsters, but sure. But I, I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah. I was, like you said though, the, the whole thing with the Aes Sedai at the end or the, or the, the women who could channel linking mm. up and mm. then each one burning out individually is there. Yeah. It, it, for me, it was almost like one of those, uh, you, you know, what's, what's it called? Deus Ex Machina, where they, you know, oh, here's all yeah. these freaking Trollocs coming. We can either try to spend some money to throw a bunch of soldiers at them and have it just an awesome giant battle. Yeah. Is, you know, more than just some dudes shooting crossbow bolts at it from behind a wall. Sure. Or we can just uh, have these women channelers just knock them, just kill them all really quick. And Sure. But, you know, what are you going to do? It's, it's, I think it's just going to get bigger and better. Most TV shows are like that, though. It's, sure. it's, you know, you start out kind of small and for the eye of the world, that season would be, even though they had multiple locations, we saw mm-hmm. Emmonsfield, we saw frickin' Tarvalon, we saw, um, Faldara, we saw the Blight. You know, they were all over the place there, really. Sure. Not as, they didn't go to all the places they did in that first book, but, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, the, the dude said budgetary, they really couldn't. Sure. Um, but typically if, you know, whatever you see in a first season is going to get bigger in the second season. So absolutely. hopefully that's, that's, that's what we get here. We see more locations. We see, uh, just, you know, more, we'll see a Drakkar in, the, oh, in the, the next one. That would be pretty awesome. Or a gray man or something. That would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, 
Absolutely. I want to see a lot, a lot more out of it. And, yeah. you know, I, I've seen it is doing really well. You know, it, it got uh, number one out of all TV, you know, several weeks in, in a row. I want to say like one of them was, was the Nielsen rating, but uh, some, some other ratings there. Uh, so that was doing really, really well. And I just caught news today, actually, that, um, you know, New York Times bestseller list, number one, Eye of the World, you know. Um, so, you know, if you are out there listening, if you, if you didn't like the show on any level, if you're just hating everything we're saying right now, the book you love is number one. Again, after what, two decades or more. Um, so I feel like it's very positive in the universe yeah. of Wheel of Time, no matter how you feel about the show. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get at the end of the day when the show is fine, when when it's over, it is it's it is going to be its own thing separate from the books. And sure. it'll be something that uh, I would like to think that Wheel of Time fans can can, you know, will will say, well, I like the book better than the show, but yeah. or I like the show better than the book. You know, it's, sure. it's, it's going to go either way. But you're going to have two completely separate things that uh, have a lot of the same same story elements, but. You can enjoy them both separately for what they are and have fun either way. And totally. you know, I, think, I think we talked about it last time. Um, anybody going into this thinking that they're going to get a visual representation of, of the book, yeah. they don't they don't understand how TV shows and movies are made because you just you just can't sure. do that. It would be, oh, my God, how how many episodes would they have to make to just to do the first book? I mean, uh, some of that would be so boring to see on TV. It would be know? a little rough. Yeah. And while the pacing was fast, I think they could have, you know, they could have done a little better than that. I think, I think sure. it was a great first season and, and, uh, it, I, I truly believe we're just going to get bigger and better stuff moving forward. Agreed. Agreed. It, it's somebody that, you know, I work on my own, you know, form and contribution of art. Uh, if I waited to release the perfect album before I ever released an album, I would have never released an album. Yeah. So, you know, I think they did really, really great for a first season. I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I'll even go, you know, after this conversation, I'll say I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, little, little nitpicks, but I, I wouldn't feel like I really watched it fully, you know, and, and it, you know, digested it fully if I didn't. But, um, I absolutely think it's going to get better and bigger and better as it goes. And honestly, I'm wondering if, I don't want to say we're going to see less changes, but just from some of the things that Rafe has said, you know, it, it moves more into an ensemble piece. What he's always wanted was to be an ensemble piece, these sorts of things. I think some of the changes they instilled in this first season will make more sense as the seasons go on. And I think it will flow more naturally into what we're actually already used to as yep. book readers. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think this is a good place to wrap up the episode. Um, cool. I really, I really enjoyed having you on. I, 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 you know, we've, you've been on two episodes now and I, would love to have you on more. I really do enjoy talking to you. Likewise. Um, maybe we can get a uh, Michael Kill to watch the series at some point. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Uh, you know, before we wrap up, one, one last thing. You mentioned it earlier. Um, it made me think of it, so I wanted to throw it out there. I did, when the first three episodes dropped, I did go up to Michael's, you know, for the weekend. We, we kicked it. Uh, me, him, uh, his wife, actually Andy and Slappy, who were on uh, Servants of Ball. Uh, from Wheeler Ryan. We all sat down. We watched the first three episodes. It's kind of like a celebration weekend. One of the show coming out, two for Wheeler Ryan, just, you know, all encompassing. And, um, you know, th those are the only three they've watched because they sat down and rewatched those three with the children after we left at that point and haven't finished it. But, you know, in, in those first couple episodes, just watching the interaction between Lan and Nynaeve and only those first three episodes, 
Michael turns, look, looks the rest of, uh, of us in the room and says, oh, they're going to have very angry sex, aren't they? And that was... <laughs> Just one that's peak Michael, but just right off the cuff, um, you know, without having to see any of those later episodes, he could already identify right yeah. at the beginning. Oh, okay, that, I can see this chemistry here. I think that speaks to the writing of the show. So let's throw that in there. All right, dude. Uh, I sh- yeah, we should probably stop. My family keeps walking by and looking at me. It's like we want to watch TV, dude. Because <laughs> I'm uh, out in the middle of everything. So. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I will let you my, relinquish my, the living. My, da- my daughter's just over there listening to us, probably. I don't know. She probably got her headphones on. My kids are on their phones all the time. Gotcha. gotcha. You know, the way they are. Yes. All right, dude. Uh, good talking to you. Always, Stephen. You have a good afternoon, so I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Later. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. That is the conclusion of what was a very long, yet thoroughly enjoyable cyber sit-down with the scintillating, the stupendous, the super sweet Sulphur. I honestly just really enjoy talking to him. We've sat down now twice and had really nice long conversations. Both happen to be about the Wheel of Time, but still, really super nice guy. I wonder if he's into Supernatural. Anyway, that's your episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. If you have any thoughts on the Wheel of Time, Sulphur, this particular episode, or just another fanboy in general, send them to me now at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com, and I'll read them out on a future episode. I promise. Join me right back here tomorrow as we round out the week with one more JAF Classics episode in which the me from 2006 got himself a brand new microphone. Until then, my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.